This episode is brought to you by CarlFriedrich.com. You really need to check out their leather goods. They are fantastic. Stay tuned for more about them in the show. This is Unstructured. Today we have somebody different, Chester Santos, international man of memory. Now, what's that about, Chester? How are you doing today? How are you, Eric? Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm glad to have you. And this, I'm going to do something different. I'm known for doing a lot of homework, but I also have a horrible memory. So your first memory challenge of the day is to rattle off where you've had media appearances. Because you've got a lot. Uh, that's funny. The, the, the list is really long. Too, I don't want to take up too much time here. But just some of the big ones, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, TV, ABC, NBC, PBS, Science Channel. Uh, a, a big one that I, I was uh, very fortunate to get quoted in recently was Time Magazine. So that was just this past December. Time Magazine had a whole page on my uh, on my advice for remembering numbers in a special edition they did on the science of memory. So that was pretty cool. So you're kind of a, a go-to for some of the media outlets? Yes, I, I get called up all the time when they have something that's brain memory related and they want tips for their viewers or tips for uh, their listeners. Uh, they will, you know, or readers, they will call me up for some tips on how to improve memory. I've been helping people around the world for the last 11 plus years uh, learn techniques really that are easy for anyone to learn and they will dramatically improve your ability to remember various types of information. And this will give people a huge advantage in their career, personal life. This is also really huge for kids in school. Out of curiosity, is there a particular time of year that they hit you up like um, Valentine's Day or something? Do you get a lot of influx of calls? And how do we help people remember special occasions or that's, what they got for a gift? That's funny. I, I like that. That's a good question, Eric. You know, that has actually happened before around Valentine's Day, but it's really not the most common. The most common time of year and really the the busiest time for me every year is January. So approaching the new year because my topic is very much a personal and professional development topic and people tend to be most interested in this area when the new year is approaching because they want to develop new skills, they want to improve themselves for the coming year. Right, I think you've talked about that before that obviously having a poor memory can be just devastating and can have even professional or financial consequences. I think you talked about Nike or something. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm surprised that you heard about that. Uh, That is, I actually didn't know about the story until I gave a presentation last year. Someone brought it to my attention after my presentation. And then I did the research to confirm that this story is absolutely true. One of the main factors in why Steph Curry from the Warriors, why he didn't sign back on uh, with Nike for sponsorship was because in multiple meetings, Nike executives were calling him by the wrong name. You can find this described in an Inc.com article, they kept calling him Stefan and himself Mm. and his father, they didn't take it as very flattering. The article lists that Stefan, if you've ever seen the show Family Matters, it's Urkel, the nerdy character, it's his alter ego. So they didn't take it as flattering. And it was noted in the article that they let it slide, you know, a couple of times, but the fact that it just kept on happening, these Nike executives couldn't make the adjustment and get his name right. Eventually, it reached the point to where it really bothered them. They ended up signing on with Under Armour instead. And the article says that if he continues to be a popular player, this can mean billions of dollars uh, in market tap 
market cap difference. So sometimes billions of dollars are at stake when you are not remembering people's names or maybe even worse, calling them by the wrong name. I like to quote the book. Most people have heard of this. It's still to this day one of the most popular business related business success related books ever written how to win friends and influence people in that book it was written that the sweetest sound to a person in any language is the sound of their own name and also that everyone's favorite subject is themselves so in fact by remembering people's names and other things about them it helps you to build a better rapport with people so if you meet someone at an event and the next time you see him you can say hey john how are you how's your wife nancy how was your last round of golf what that person ought automatically what the feeling is, they start to feel, wow, they must be pretty important to you if you can remember all of that stuff. And that in turn makes them much more likely to want to get to know you and what you're about better. One profession that is crystal clear on the power in this politicians. So I've actually been hired by some politicians for private coaching with me on names. When a politician attends a fundraiser, they want to know the name of everybody there. They want to know their spouse's name. They want to know things they like so they know what topics maybe to bring up in conversation. They want to know things they don't like so they know what topics maybe to avoid in conversation. Politicians are very clear on how memory skills can help to make you a more popular and more likable person. In their case, it helps them to get more money for their campaigns and more votes in the end. But for most people out there, it can help you to get more business and just build better relationships with people in general. I was also listening to an audiobook. Funny that you mentioned uh, audiobooks <laughs> on uh, it was really about getting booked for speaking engagements because that's my area. But it brought up a topic related to business success in general. And that is how your likability factor affects your success in many different ways. They gave two examples that I remember quite clearly. And I mentioned in my presentation sometimes, and that is one, uh, two job applicants applying for a job. One applicant is much more qualified, but the other candidate is much more likable. How the real world works, a lot of times the more likable candidate will actually get the job. It it doesn't always go by the numbers in real life. They also gave the example of advancement in your career. It isn't always the person that's doing the best job and getting the best reviews. I saw this. I used to work in the Silicon Valley as a software engineer. I saw this firsthand. It wasn't always the most brilliant engineer that would get promoted. Sometimes maybe they weren't getting along with as well with people in the department. The more likable person would get promoted, even though maybe their job performance wasn't quite on that level. So your likability factor in real life, unfortunately, things are not by the numbers. You have to take into account uh, your likability factor and your ability to remember people's names and things about them will really have have an impact. I don't want to be counterintuitive, but I got to push back a little. I actually would say it's not necessarily unfortunate. Okay. Because the truth is you can't pick your family, but you can pick your workmates and you can pick your friends. And it's a weird thing where would you rather work with somebody who's more talented, but you can't stand being around where every day you dread being in their presence or somebody you can work with? And they may not be the A player, but they're B plus player. And working together, the two of you make a stronger team. Yeah, very good point. And I said, unfortunately, in that I know there are a lot of people out there that really wish that it was just their job performance doing the very best job that they can was enough to advance. And they might not like the fact that they didn't get the promotion just because they didn't spend as much time socializing, maybe, or they weren't perceived to be as likable. But you brought up a very good point. Yeah, that, that would be an absolutely valid reason for promoting someone because that that is who you would want to work with, a person that really was easier to get along with and really fostered relationships in the department. So yeah, I like that. that I like your point there. Another advantage too, ironically, is like, I'm not a very exciting person. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who just, they're not super exciting. They don't have a super exciting life. But if you show interest in the other person, suddenly you will be a fascinating conversationalist simply because you're paying so much attention to them and noting so much about them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just a little bit of 
memory skill development can go a long way toward helping you with that. You're absolutely right. People really appreciate the fact that you can remember their name and things about them. A little bit goes a long way in terms of setting yourself apart from most other people that don't have this ability, that don't show this extreme interest in people. Now, one thing I'm curious about, because this is a personal issue that I have, and it is a uh, a place memorization versus a person memorization. And by that, what I mean is I know somebody, let's say, who's working at Subway. I go to Subway all the time. I see them there. I know their name. But then when I see them out of the natural environment that I'm used to, like I run across them at Home Depot, I know them from somewhere, but I don't quite know who that is. How do you tackles a situation like that. Yes, it, it makes sense because, you know, it, that that's a very common issue when you think about it, it makes sense because memory always comes down to a series of connections in your brain, right? So that person is uh, their name, right, is connected in your mind to that situation that you're used to, right, encountering them in. Uh, when you learn the techniques that I teach people, this will happen less, the situation that you described, because I teach you really to study the person's face, really pay attention to how they look. I teach you to pick out unique features or things about their look overall, that then becomes a storage place for imagery that reminds you of the name. This is one of the techniques that I teach to help people get better remembering names. Once you've mastered that, even when you see them out of context, because you have logged in those facial features or something about their look overall, you can still recall the name. So you you will do better in those situations, but that is very common and it makes sense when you think about how memory actually works. So you're saying my problem may be that I'm using the wrong association or the wrong context to match them. Find another way to get to them more personally versus a placement. Yes. Yeah, so right now you probably don't have any technique at all if you're not trained in, in uh, you know, mem memory skills uh, development. So you don't have a technique, you don't have a methodology to help you recall the name. So you really only have the context, right? That, that, that mm -hmm. the context to help you. And that's why you're not able to recall the name when it's, when they're out of context, right? Out of the context that you're used to. Mm -hmm. But if you do learn these types of techniques, one of them, oh, let me go over a few now. Uh, I think your listeners can try to put this into practice and, and we'll have uh, awesome. probably enjoy giving these techniques a try. So one is when I meet someone, I ask myself, how does this person in some way, anyway, look unique to me? It could be a particular facial feature. It could be something about their look overall. Okay. I will try to focus in on that. And then I will place an image there that will in some way remind me of the name. So if I'm meeting a guy named Mike, and to me, this particular Mike has really big ears, or at least ears larger than the average person, I might yeah. imagine that spinning in each ear is a microphone, right? As in Mike, right? That might remind you okay. of the name Mike. Now, this sounds a little bit strange, unusual, and granted, you're not going to tell people how you're remembering <laughs> their name. Uh, this crazy stuff is going on in your head. They're just really going to appreciate the fact that you're, you're able to call them by their name. They won't know about this crazy imagery that you're seeing and the fact you're noticing the, the big ears. But this is very powerful. It is very effective. And really, anyone can get good at doing this with just a little bit of training and, and practice. You start to notice that, you know, maybe this person has a little bit longer, more narrow nose than the average person. This other person has a bigger chin, maybe, compared to the average person. You'll, you'll learn how to pick out those features, and then you place image, images there that remind you of the name. I gave you a microphone for Mike, but chain i use a lot of times for jane so it could be a sound alike thing there it could be something more symbolic like for the name alice sometimes i'll use a white rabbit because that reminds me of alice in wonderland what about odd names to you know that are almost made up or just weird combinations yeah totally so i've given presentations so far in more than 30 countries and i will 
open with naming hundreds of people in the audience uh, as as my as my opening to get everybody's uh, attention. So I did this in the Middle East, for instance, and I met a guy there named Mayram. And I told how I committed that name to memory is I told myself that it starts to get warm in May. So I visualized the burning hot yellow sun to represent May. And then I imagined a ram ramming into it and the horns of the ram were melting as it approaches approached the sun. Hmm. So I broke the name down by syllable May ram was enough to remind me of mayram uh, i met someone else named benjawan so i visualized a banjo getting played with a wand so you may with certain names need to break the name down by syllable and you would have uh, like a mini story playing instead of just one image so granted it will be a little bit more difficult but you can still uh, you can still pull it off i think i've heard you say something about that um for learning language are you a polyglot so I, I, I know because I'm good at what I actually teach people, I know a little bit of many different languages because I'm really good at quickly committing to memory keywords and phrases. So you will have a big advantage learning new languages when you've mastered the types of memory techniques that I teach, but there's much more involved to becoming fluent. So you also need to learn and understand the rules of grammar, right? Then it becomes a matter of applying those grammatical rules to the various vocabulary words in order to form sentences and phrases. And then another, a third part to learning a foreign language, the one that I tend to have the most difficulty with myself is that I can remember the word, 100% I remember the word, but just getting myself to pronounce it properly is a whole nother thing. Like I can't roll my R's, for instance, which is a little bit of an issue uh, in Spanish. I have trouble doing that. Like, I don't see, I can't do it. do it. So, but pronouncing it properly, some of the words you should be rolling the R. So there's more than memory involved in learning a foreign language, but you will have an advantage when you can quickly commit to memory new vocabulary words. Okay, and it would help you even if it's things like ticket, bathroom. Um, totally, you know, yeah. The basic, just very um, structural things, taxi. You need these particular things to get around. Yes, very good point. You're a good interviewer, Eric. You're bringing up a lot of things that I would normally, you're you're just intuitively coming up with the right next question that, that I should address there. That's a very good point, good thing to address. Yes, so you don't have to say, where is the bathroom, right? So just saying baño, right, in an inquisitive tone would be enough to get across that you're asking where is the bathroom. So really good point there. Just learning keywords and phrases and, and using them in the right way can really help you to get around on on a, a vacation, you know, or a, a short business trip. Yeah, I was just thinking that that, especially you seem to be traveling all over the planet. You have videos like weekly everywhere in the world. Yeah. So every single week, I started this last year as part of my campaign to pay more attention to social media. So over the last 10 plus years, I've only really paid attention to traditional media, newspaper, magazines, TV. But now I'm uh, late in the game. I'm realizing how important things like social media and podcasts like yours are. Says the uh, former programmer at Sun. What? Says what the former that? programmer at Sun. Uh, me? Yeah, oh, you at Sun? Oh, wow. You know everything about me, Eric. You really did your research. Yes, that's right. So well, it's I ironic. Was- <laughs> I was a uh, a programmer at Sun a, a long time ago, 10, pl- 10 plus years ago. That's correct. Was that before the Oracle buyout? or It was before. Yes, it was before. Yeah. Yeah, before that happened. So I have, since last year, been posting every week a one-minute video tip to Twitter, Instagram, and also LinkedIn, a one-minute tip from some interesting location around the world. And I talk about how that location relates in some way to memory. And I've just been amazed during my travels, uh, how when I do a research, when I do research on that city or that particular location, just the cool things that I'm finding out about how they relate in some way to memory. One that I already did know about before going there was the Colosseum in Rome, 
I talked about how the Roman orators were able to give speeches hours in length from memory mm-hmm. without any notes. The famous orator Cicero used the same technique that I teach in my online courses for remembering uh, speeches and presentations. One that I did just in the last couple of weeks that I I did I wasn't aware of before I did the research. Venice was the birthplace of Casanova, and in researching Casanova, I found out that. It was actually his powerful memory that helped him to really be charming to both men and women. He got got along very well with people due to his vast knowledge, the vast knowledge that he had from multiple different, uh, multiple disciplines. And an article that I read about him specifically said that it was his memory powers that seemed to give him an almost supernatural power of numerology, and this helped him to dupe uh, socialites. (laughs) So I had no idea that that was the case for Casanova until I did this research when I got to Venice, Italy. So look out for people can look out for those every week on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This episode is brought to you by Carl Friedrich Leather Goods. Now, I'm really excited to work with these guys. I don't want to just bring up any sponsor or have anybody else, but for my day job, I actually work in a corporate environment, and I'm very impressed by the leather goods they create. They have this new backpack coming out called the Bowen, and I mean, it is not only well-constructed, it's sexy as hell. Now, as a person working in a corporate environment... I really don't want to have a bag that I'm just schlepping around and looking sloppy. And I know a lot of you feel the same way. They not only have great bags, but they also have briefcases and cases to hold your gear, like an iPad case, an iPhone case, things like that. Definitely check them out at carlfriedrich.com or check the show notes. And I'm going to have a link in there as well. I really appreciate them supporting the show. And definitely, please check them out. Again, carlfriedrich.com. You brought up a good point there. Um, Odyssey and the Iliad were both verbally presented. Yes. We didn't have the printing press. I mean, all the stories were transferred orally. Yes, you're absolutely right. So at one point in human history, people had to develop a really powerful memory. And in in fact, you weren't considered well-educated at at all unless you had really developed your memory skills. So human beings, we have this capacity. We have this awesome, amazing ability to remember, but we really just need to unlock it with the right techniques. And even nowadays in this age of what I call the dangerous age of digital dependency, even though we have these electronic devices that can help us remember things, it is still a huge advantage in certain areas when you can remember things. Memory is fundamental to learning, so it's going to have a positive impact on really multiple areas of your life. That makes total sense. And I also interview a lot of people who do influence, persuasion, and body language. And body language is something that we've actually possessed from way back. And people could sense whether somebody was going to attack them or be a friend or a foe just by looking at their gestures and the way they acted. But we've lost that. And it seems to me that perhaps memory is among the pile of skills that we have lost over time through, you mentioned uh, the technology in our hand, but even the printed press could write all that down. We don't have to remember it. Yeah. In the book. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So it is a lost skill that we can, if you choose to develop this skill with just the right techniques and a little bit of training and and practice, you can regain it. And this will give you a huge advantage. I actually feel that nowadays when the average person is losing their ability to remember, you are going to be even more impressive 
and even more memorable to people when you have developed this amazing ability to remember. So it's going to give you a really big advantage uh, these days in your career, personal life, and also in school. Yeah, and I unfortunately fall short. I could see where it would help me immensely if I had memorized 70 questions for you. <laughs> yeah, you well, uh, you're doing a great job. I'm really impressed uh, already with, with the interview, with all of the research that you did beforehand, things that you found out about me that I wasn't <laughs> expecting. But yeah, you know, that is one case you could could pre-memorize questions for interviews. I give the example when you are in many different industries, when you are meeting with clients, potential clients, and you have these 10, 15 key things committed to memory that you're sure to mention during that meeting, you're just more impressive. You come off as more of an expert in your particular field as opposed to someone that is just during the meeting shuffling through their notes the entire time. And when you give presentations to colleagues or and and, and you're trying to make the sale, right? So you're giving this sales presentation, you're just so much more impressive and perceived to be more of an expert in your field when you have memory skills. Also, the bottom line is whether or not it is truly the case, it, it doesn't matter. The perception is that someone with a razor sharp memory, we perceive them to be pretty intelligent, right? And we're always going to go out of our way to refer those professionals and do business with those professionals that we perceive to be intelligent as well as the expert in their particular field. Memory, just a little bit of memory training can really help you out with this. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about that. And another advantage too is if you pay attention or you note things about the person you are talking to, you show you care. Yes. And you're suddenly worth talking to. Oh, wait, he knows something about me. Uh, okay, now I'm in it. I'm in the conversation now. I'm not just going to go with my rote talking points because he's been paying attention. Yes, exactly. That's happening during the interview right now, <laughs> Eric. So you're absolutely right. This really can build more rap uh, rapport with people. It can help you engage better with that particular person. That is another benefit. And again, it isn't that difficult to do really with just a little bit of training. Yeah. Now you've demonstrated a, a great visualizing technique with a monkey iron rope kite routine. You got it. And I'm wondering if we could go at it differently. And the reason why is because I'm very interested in the mechanics of it. Yes. So I came up with 10 random words. I just went yeah. into a random generator and I wanted to read them off to you. Yep. And we could walk through the process of how you would have them memorized and spit them back. Yeah. So good idea. I like that a lot. So there is something called the story method. So it's going to be one of the very first techniques that you would learn if you're going to start going through some form of memory training. What is involved with this are three main principles. So there are three main principles that will apply to the story method and really just about any type of memory improvement technique. The three principles are one, visualization. So turning whatever it is that you want to remember some way into a visual because we are very good at remembering things that we see. Okay, an example, I'll give a few examples quickly related to names and, th and then I'll come back to the story method. I won't, I won't forget. So with names, examples I like to give, a lot of times we will run into someone that we could have met even years ago, years in the past, right away, as soon as we see their face, we tend to remember their face. We know that we've met them somewhere before, but we can't seem to remember the name. Pretty common experience. Another example, let's say you go, Eric, to a party and one of your friends accompanies you to this party. You're both there meeting a lot of new people. Two weeks after that party is over, your friend describes someone to you that you met. Your friend says, Eric, remember that attorney that we met a couple weeks ago at the party? He's also a member of the tennis club. Just given that little bit of description, as your friend's going through the description, you can picture the person from the party. Sometimes you can even remember what they were wearing when you met them. Your friend can picture the person as they're going through the description, but neither one of you can manage to remember the name. I have to confess, I'm so bad. I'm so bad, though, that you have to go through a list and then on the fourth item, oh, he's a runner. Okay, yeah, I know who you're talking about. 
because I don't remember all the elements of them. Yeah, and then you can, and then eventually you'll get to it. But yeah, still going through the description, eventually you can get to, usually can picture that person, right? And mm. the, the last example is how many times have you been describing to a friend or family member an actor from a TV show or movie? As you're going through the description, you can picture the actor crystal clear in your mind. Your friend or family member can also picture who you're describing, but neither one of you can manage to come up with the name and it's really annoying to both of you. Those three examples that I just went over all illustrate that when it comes to dealing with people, we tend to be pretty good at remembering the faces, but we're not nearly as good at remembering names. And when you think about it, it makes sense because when we are interacting with people in various ways, we see their face with our eyes, right? The face is recorded into your visual memory, but at no point do you see the name. The name is something much more abstract to your brain. So one thing I teach that I've already mentioned, turn the name in some way to a powerful visual. We're good at remembering things that we see. So visualization, one uh, of the main memory improvement principles. Number two, try to involve additional senses as you can from there, because as you are involving additional senses, you're activating more and more areas of your brain and you're building more and more connections in your mind to the information, it makes it much easier to retrieve the information later on. All right. So the more senses you involve, sure. the more connections you build in your mind to the information, the more areas of your brain are activated. Third and final principle, principle when you are seeing this, experiencing it, make it, try to make it all crazy, unusual, extraordinary in some way, because there is a psychological aspect to human memory. We tend to be good at remembering things that catch us by surprise that are strange, unusual, you know, extraordinary to us in some way. If right now, as we're doing this interview, an elephant crashed into the room and started spraying water all over you somehow, if that happened, you would probably remember that for the rest of your life, right? And always sure. tell that story without even trying to commit that to memory because there is this psychological aspect, human memory, when you can apply that to things that are useful, names, presentations, uh, foreign language vocabulary, exam material, etc., it becomes so much easier to remember things. So when you learn this story method that we'll now get into, you want to keep all of those principles in mind. Try to visualize it. Try to involve additional senses if you can, and try to make it all crazy, unusual, extraordinary in some way. So your listeners can keep that in mind as we're going through uh, the exercise. So essentially you're saying exaggeration and ridiculousness is super. Yeah, that is definitely a big part of it to take advantage of that a psychological aspect to memory that allows us to remember we automatically right with little to no effort we tend to remember those things that are unusual extraordinary in some way so we want to tap into that and apply it to things that would actually be useful i also remember i think you said that you tend to remember absolutely silly things so you're almost giggling yeah. chuckling yourself and i was thinking that that could be useful to you as you're encountering people, because as you're remembering things about them, you're grinning and you're happy. So that emotion is going to naturally give a warmth or translate over. Totally. I yeah, exactly. I totally, uh, I love that. And I really encourage people to do that. Yes, you're right. Beyond helping you to remember, it's going to put you in this, uh, it's going to give you that good positive vibe and that will also help your interactions with people. Yeah. So maybe don't remember a dark association with somebody when you're like, okay, uh, it, their name rhymes with a particular stench and you go, <laughs> And give an expression yeah. when you meet them. That might be a bad move. Maybe not. You can, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I pulled up uh, literally uh, 10 random words. Actually, there's 12 here, but I can go with 10 or 12, whatever you're comfortable. Cool. All right. Either way. Strange. Cumbersome. Yeah. So actually, so actually, I don't recommend doing a list like that in the beginning, Eric, because I would just would never teach it in that way. I always will begin teaching people first with concrete nouns. All right. When you're first learning this out, right. So that okay. you will learn the methodology, right. And then once you've 
learn the methodology and you're able to really apply the process well, then next step, I would move on to trying to memorize things that are a little bit more abstract like that, because it's going to be more difficult to remember something like strange as opposed to an apple, right? So you need a little bit more practice before getting into applying this to more abstract things. It's just my recommendation. I, I, I always start teaching things with easier to picture nouns first. And then the next step, we, we work our way up to things that are a little bit more abstract. Okay. Okay. Let me see if this does any better. Okay. I'll generate uh, 10 random nouns. Yeah. And then also, you know, another issue is that like, at, cause I want people to follow along as we're going through this and an image that would remind me personally of strange might not make any sense to a lot of the oh, listeners I understand. For, for reminding them of the word strange. And, and that's another reason why, for instance, in my workshop and the online course, I start off with everybody being on, on, on the same page first. And so you can confirm that you're doing things correctly and then later get to that, that more abstract stuff. Okay. I mean, yeah. I understand that. And I didn't expect everybody to have the same image. It's more of... Yeah just the mechanics because your story wouldn't be the same as my story, no matter what we do. I hope. Yeah. But it's easier for, if we were doing things like Apple iron, like I, as you saw, you must've saw one of my videos that I would usually do like in the TEDx talk and things like that. I always mm. keep it simple in the beginning, like, you know, the monkey with the iron, because right. as I go through it and give an example Everybody can follow along with that. And and a monkey is the same for everybody, right? And iron is the same for, for everyone. Uh, it's just my recommendation. We can try it. Okay. I mean, but I don't normally teach it in that way. Let me just look around and come up with things. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. That's fine. How about lamp, monitor? Yeah. So, so what you would visualize is maybe a gigantic lamp. Okay. Everybody can visualize a gigantic lamp. And falling out of this gigantic lamp is a weird-looking computer monitor, all right? So it's falling out, this computer monitor. Okay. Stereo? Stereo. So the computer monitor crashes into a stereo, all right? So it falls out of the lamp, and it crashes into a stereo. Duck? And shooting out of, almost coming out of the stereo instead of sound is a gigantic duck. Or you can see ducks, but you would just know that the that it's singular duck. So, yep. Cow. So the duck starts to eat a cow. The duck starts to eat a cow. You won't forget seeing that. So you had the lamp, the monitor fell out onto the stereo, the duck start, duck started coming out and the duck started to eat the cow. Phone. Phone and the the cow gets on the phone. The 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 cow starts to make a phone call. You won't forget seeing the cow <laughs> trying to make a phone call. Globe. Globe and then coming out of one side of that phone Spinning on it is a globe. So this is some sort of weird, I guess, globe phone. You can see the globe spinning there. Desk. And then spinning on top of the globe is a gigantic desk. Somehow it's spinning. This gigantic desk is spinning on top of the globe. Microphone. And then um, shooting out of shooting out of the desk are a bunch of microphones. I would see a bunch of microphones shooting out of the desk. Bottle? And then exploding out of the microphones, I would see a bunch of bottles exploding out of the microphones just somehow magically, and the glasses shattering everywhere, kind of scaring me maybe. You have a lot of explosions and shooting. I like to use explosions because uh, it's it's easy for me to not only see it, but at least get one additional sense at a minimum as well. So I can hear it. Uh, I can see it. I can hear it. Um, and it's uh, it startles me. The Clock. more vividly you can experience it, the better the better it is. Okay. Clock. And then... Uh, the pieces of the bottles 
start to shoot into a clock and kind of break the clock. So the, sh- uh, the, the pieces of the bottle start to break up the clock. And painting. And then the face of that clock turns into a painting. The face of the clock turns into uh, a painting. Salvador Dali print, right? No. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, great. Can you run me through the whole sequence then? Let's try to do it. So we start off with a lamp, I believe, and then falling out of the lamp. And listeners should follow along uh, as well. Maybe the listeners will do even better than you and I do as we go through this. So we had the lamp, and falling out of the lamp was the was the monitor, right? Mm-hmm. And the monitor fell onto the stereo, and then shooting out of the stereo were like ducks, and so it was duck. And then the duck started to eat a cow. And then the cow was on the phone and then spinning on the side of the phone was a globe. And then on top of the globe was the, the desk, right? Mm -hmm. And then shooting out of the desk, I think it was bottles and Mm -hmm. then um, pieces of the bottles were shooting into the clock and then the clock turned into the painting and I may have even left out one word there. I'm not sure, but that's basically microphone. the process. Yeah. So shooting out of the decks was the microphones and then shooting out of the microphones was the bottles. So yeah, that was the one that I, I had left out there. So you can see that. I don't know how many words that was, but I'm sure that count. listeners. What? I don't remember. I lost um, count. Okay. I remember. But basically <laughs> that's the process and you would have right away. I had only going through it one time probably mm-hmm. 90% accuracy. Let's say if it was 10 items, yeah. just going through it once, no review. I had nine out of 10 most likely. And you would just quickly, very quickly review that two or three times. And I would have then for sure, I would have it 100% down. Your listeners would have it down too. You can have 10 right random items, even 15, 20 random items committed to memory perfectly within just a few minutes by reviewing that story. And then I would refine my story in the second or third run through and make it even more memorable. So I would address any blank there. Like I had the microphone blank. I would make those, those microphones then in the second run through maybe multicolored and even larger, somehow make it crazier and unusual, adjust my story a bit. And that will lock it into memory. So I always start with just random items. And then you can practice coming up with things for like strange. So you might use Dr. Strange or something, but Mm, you know, cumbersome. I might, for me, just think of a cucumber and knowing that it's an abstract word, cucumber might be enough. For me, it's sort of a, it cues up cumbersome in a way. Uh, Once you've learned the methodology, you can apply it to things that are even more abstract. It's just going to be what would remind you personally of that abstract thing. But I should point out that a lot of times even concrete items can remind you of something more abstract. So in my presentation, sometimes I will have people memorize some giant machines, right? The giant machines are smashing up a huge pile of gold and silver, rising up out of the gold and silver vehicles, shooting out of the windows of the vehicles, medicine, exploding out of the medicine oil. Um, So you just review that again. We had giant machines that were smashing up gold and silver, rising up with vehicles, shooting out of the windows, medicine exploding out of it, oil. You've got that down and that actually represents the top five exports of the UK. So if you were to look up the UK's top exports, you'll find listed machinery, precious metals, vehicles, pharmaceuticals and oil. So there you start to see how uh, concrete images can remind you of something a little bit broader. You're basically building up mental note cards or mental cue cards. Okay. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. These could even be points of a presentation that you're giving. That's where I was going. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Yeah. It could be, you know, I teach people you would outline all of the points and subpoints come up with images that will just represent those main topics. You can reduce the amount of notes you would use. I would, I would 
if it's a longer speech, though, as the speech or presentation gets more lengthy, I would recommend using the journey method or Roman room method instead, the the, the method that Cicero used to give presentations. That's using that? locations from that is using locations from your environment um, to store imagery that reminds you of what you want to remember because that is an easy way to come up with hundreds, even thousands of mental filing locations you would use. Uh, you know, I use locations from my current apartment, other apartments that I've lived in, houses that I lived in growing up, places I've been on vacation, places mm. that I just frequent often in my favorite cities around the world. Any place where you can call to mind the layout of the locations and an ordering that would make sense for you to encounter them, you can use those locations as filing places for imagery that reminds you of what you want to remember. Is that what you use for uh, not counting cards, but memorizing decks? Yeah, that would be advisable for for things like memorizing decks of cards where it's a lot of information. I would recommend using the journey method because it is just an easy way to build up many, many uh, mental filing cabinets, mental storage places. Okay, I had a, another person on who is a deductionist. And he is a magician and he does a card memorization. I think he talked about that. Is this the same method where he would come up with a term for the queen instead of queen to be clean and he would go with a, a rhyming association, but then he would start up saying, I get up in the morning and look at the clean floor and travel through the house or, or whatever. And then the cards or associations are all along the way. Is that the same? Yeah, it sounds very similar. So he had a, a, um, a unique angle on it there and that he was using his morning routine, which is great. That is a great way to do it. You could simply, though, even do it not related to a routine, but just think about locations from your office. Think about locations from your residence. Again, just any place where you can call to mind the layout of the locations and a logical ordering, you can link images there. I read that this is something that's actually built into us as humans. You talked about the body language being built into us. So at one point in human history, when we went on a journey, we had to remember where there was danger, where there was food and things like that. So we have built into us a very good natural ability to remember journeys, locations along a journey. And that is what this technique, it's built around that concept, the idea. So using locations that you're familiar with, you can use them in ordering that would make sense for you to encounter them, store images there that remind you of what you want to remember. And you can, it's amazing what you can do with this. You can memorize even thousands of pieces of data using that type of technique. Wow. Now, to wrap everything up, is there one actionable technique? Now, obviously, it's not going to make people memorize everything, but something we can all do every day and just practice doing that'll help open our minds to be more receptive for future knowledge. Yes. I mean, really, I just recommend as much as possible on a daily basis, try to commit random things to memory, things that don't necessarily need to be committed to memory. You can go ahead and phone numbers is, is one example. You know, I still go ahead and enter phone numbers into my phone, but I also try to commit them to memory as well. And I first will rely on my memory for dialing the number. If I can't do it for some reason, then I'll go to the auto dial from the address book. That's one example, but you're going to find many instances where go ahead and, you know, enter it into your device or take the notes, but try to commit it to memory as well, because you will be exercising your memory on a daily basis. And the brain is very trainable, right? The more you force your brain to perform a particular function over and over again, the more it signals to your brain that that's something important for you to be able to do. So your brain finds a way to make itself better at doing it, right? Your brain is incredibly trainable. So use your memory and it's going to get stronger. I was just thinking your phone trick, especially with a smartphone, gives you a positive reinforcement. If you dial the number right, it'll show calling the name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go, oh, wait, that's the wrong name. And hang up if you get it wrong. Yeah. It, it, yeah. That's exactly. I like that. That uh, I like that aspect to it. You will, you will have that positive reinforcement or the warning that, that you didn't get it quite 
right? Yeah, it's something's easy for people to try to do. And it, your memory is just like your body, right? The brain is just like the body. And your memory is a specific function, right? Mental function. So, you know, we all know that you need to exercise, you need to put in the work at the gym or otherwise get exercise in order to make your body stronger, right? It feels like work, but that's what's necessary, right? And you would lift the the bar, you know, you would do the bicep curls, right? You do curls to, to work the biceps. And things like memorizing numbers would be the memory specific brain exercise to get the memory stronger. Well, great. That'll get everybody started. Now, if everybody wants to deep dive and actually learn how to do this, I understand you have a course available. Yeah, I do. I have an online video course. It's really a school. It's an online school, memory school, which provides basic training on improving your memory in general, techniques that apply to various information types, numbers, facts that contain figures, formulas, names. You will actually have a slideshow and you will be, uh, I simulate introducing you to people, foreign language vocabulary, exam material. Then there's advanced training on playing cards Mm. and more advanced topics. And then there's ongoing training every month. There's a special offer that I set up specifically for your listeners. So anybody listening to this can go to chestersantos.com forward slash unstructured. So chestersantos.com forward slash unstructured, and they will have the initial enrollment setup fee waived for them and they can get started right away. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you again for having me, Eric. All right. And any other information we can find out about you at internationalmanofmemory.com, right? That's correct. Yeah. You can go to internationalmanofmemory.com or chestersantos.com. They, they will go to the same. Both URLs will go to the same website. Uh, check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn if you want to see those weekly updates from various locations around the world. And if you want more in-depth training, really start to develop these skills, they can go to the special offer link. Well, fantastic. And hey, thanks so much for taking the time and coming on. Thank you so much for having me, Eric. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com. And there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Hi, this is Kara Mayer Robinson, and I host Really Famous. I interview A-list celebrities. I dive deep because I used to be a therapist. This is what Tim Gunn said. I just have this antipathy for the judges. I can't stand being in the same room with them. Tim Daly. If you're not working in LA and you're an actor, there's no worse place to be. Michael Rappaport. I changed schools every year from the third grade to the 12th grade. Disruptive was my thing. Chaz Palminteri. I knew something was going on. I said, I got to talk to somebody. It's Really Famous. It's like eavesdropping on a therapy session. Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our vision of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on, because school is now in session.